Hey everybody, Chance Bros here from Sheepdog Roundtable. I am just giving you a quick heads up. Uh, first off, I want to apologize for my voice right now. I'm a little sick. Uh, secondly, uh, we had some technical issues with this first uh, roundtable. And I had Seb Lavoie on, who was just awesome. But unfortunately, right at the end, I realized that his video was not recording throughout the entire episode. So uh, the video, as I've edited him out and I've edited the portions of us nodding and listening to him where you can't hear him, uh, you'll see the video kind of jump around every once in a while. And you'll hear us reference him regularly. So uh, just giving you guys a quick heads up on that. And I hope it doesn't affect the overall enjoyment of the show and i'll leave you to it enjoy okay so welcome everybody this is my first live chat we're going to be talking about some pretty awesome stuff today and i got some absolutely outstanding guests i am super excited for everyone to be here first off thank you guys this is this is going to be epic just in my mind at least <laughs> so i'm going to call on each one of you guys just to Give me a little heads up because some of you don't know each other and other, I'm assuming there are people watching. Uh, they probably don't know everybody either. <laughs> so let's start with Sean. Can you give me a quick little rundown who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah, go from there. Sure can. Uh, thanks, uh, first of all, for having me on here. And uh, hello to everyone that I haven't really got to know yet, but nice to see you all. Um, my name is Sean Taylor, and uh, I am retired uh, warrant officer from Canadian... Uh, Army. Uh, I've been out of the military for quite some time in a number of different uh, civilian careers. Uh, my last career that I just left was a high performance race coach, which I did for 15 years. And now uh, I'm uh, currently seeing what shows up on my next path. That's me. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks again for being here. Uh, Matt, how about you? Well, I'm a 25-year veteran Canadian Armed Forces, common engineer, now turned chef and finishing culinary school soon. Oh, talk about brevity. I love it. <laughs> Grant? Hey, guys. Uh, it's great to see some, for, uh, some familiar faces here and to meet some new ones. Um, I'm Grant. Um, I've been in the military for three years. In that time, I managed to squeak a deployment into Afghanistan and there. I currently work as a corrections officer on the front line, and I've been doing that for 13 years now. And as well, I also run this project here, this Honey Badger Alliance. And what that is, it's a mental health um, advocate group. It's more of a forward-moving um, forward moving initiative leading by example so a lot of the things that I put on there I've learned the hard way and a lot of the things I advocate I will do myself because I won't tell anybody to do anything else unless I'm doing it myself so that's kind of basically what that's about is setting a good example wicked all right uh, John, John Archambault um, military army army veteran for 12 years um, I did law enforcement for Calgary police and then I was diagnosed with uh, mental health so I started to uh, work on my own self and then wrote a book and then tried to raise awareness on it so i started that little wire differently to uh to push to push more awareness and actually to kill the stigma stigma within the uniform wicked awesome Corey. hey everyone so Corey hat here from mad hatter industries uh veteran owned apparel company with mental health initiative and focus and uh i do a few other things as well couple right 
Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so uh, we're missing Chris. He's having some technical difficulties getting on here. I'm not sure. I didn't know how to fix them at the time. So we're just move forward with uh, seven of us. Um, but I, so we, uh, I sent you guys an email last night, I think, or earlier today with the general topic of what we're going to go over. And we're going to get into that in a second, unless anybody has any pressing business or questions they want to ask each other or get into before we dive in. Okay. So, uh, if there aren't any other pressing questions <laughs> about people's height, we'll, uh, we'll dive in. So <clears throat> I'm going to go into how we got, how I got started with this and then, uh, I'll postulate where I'm sitting and then I want to hear from all of you guys. So basically this got started. I was talking to my psychologist and I was trying to get ideas for my podcast and I was asking her, you know, she works with a lot of veterans. What's the most, like the, the common theme? What is the one thing that you see veterans struggle with once they're out? And she gave me uh, a couple of ideas, but the big one that stood out was the concept of mission men self. And that's something that we all push forward throughout the military, especially when you're in leadership, it's always the mission. Then you take care of your men, and then you take care of yourself. One thing I found once we, once, uh, you know, I started talking to other veterans and started really expanding into the world is that we, we start to put, especially when we're out of the military, we don't have a mission anymore. We'll create one and then we'll take care of our family and then we'll find another mission and then we'll take care of our family and then we'll find another mission and then we'll, t and it just keeps going and we'll forget about taking care of ourselves to the point either to the extreme case where people take their own lives, um, to the, you know, less, slightly less extreme case where it destroys your life, where you, you know, end up, we all, we all know that, uh, movie trope of the 25 year detective with two divorces and crippling child support payments and blah, like you just work yourself to the bone for nothing. Um, and, and I started thinking about, you know, where does that concept come from? Where do we get this mission men self, um, paradigm? Why is it, why is it so linear? And I started thinking to myself, well, if, you know, if you take care of yourself, that enables you to take care of your men, which enables you to complete a mission. So why is it always that the mission is first when really, we really need to take care of ourselves. But also in that same paradigm, I also understand in combat situations in terms of tactical requirements, absolutely the mission has to come first, right? You can't be looking out for yourself. When I was explaining this to a civilian earlier today was that, you know, when I was clearing, using a metal detector and clearing the road over in Afghanistan, I'd never once thought about myself. It was always about the people behind me. It was always about the ground in front of me. It was never me, right? The mission came first. So I understand why we need it. But I think it's more of a shifting, kind of like a Venn diagram, right? It, you, everything blends into each other. And if it's done right, it all works. And then so I started getting on like, well, where do we go? Like, how does, what's the root cause of all of that? And really comes down, for me at least, was the concept of service before self, right? You always put what you're doing ahead of yourself in order to get that done. But I've also seen what that does to people, and especially when you're outside the mission or you're outside the society or you're outside the, um, you know, you leave the army or you leave, even I've seen it from people that le left the army, like infantry guys that went to the air force and they're still in the military, but the way things are done is just so different. 
that it can really send you on a downward spiral. So I'd like to hear from you guys like what your your core understanding of what service before self is. And then we can carry on the conversation from there. At least to you. So who wants to dive in first? <laughs> Say Seb because we didn't see him for well, a while. Well, I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind there speaking first if Seb doesn't want to go. All right. Go ahead, Sean. It's on you. <laughs> well, um, I think that um, from a general perspective, it's a matter of uh, relying on what we've already been taught when we were being brought up in the military system. And that is we were taught to act uh, as proficient individuals within a team environment. And so I don't think the two are mutually exclusive in the sense of service and self. I think that you can, you can act uh, in, in a good direction for yourself so that you are growing and you're, you're heading in a positive direction while at the same time choosing something that is beneficial for a larger group around you. Um, I'll use a good example of that. Um, where When I left the military in 96, uh, I left without any real direction or any guidance or, or any support system, if you will. And so I was looking around as to what I would do next, and I decided I'd go back to school, uh, and then I jumped into computer system engineering. It's quite a story, uh, but uh, where that led me to was teaching day classes, night classes, and and, and, and other things uh, where I was improving myself within a new industry, but at the same time teaching um, uh, people who were uh, on their last legs when it came to employment insurance or they were new uh, immigrants into the country who, who didn't have uh, any direction to go. And so they would come into my class. I'd have 20, 30 people in a class and, and basically try to get them a foot up uh, and uh, I was really, really quite proud of uh, that effort. Not only was I improving my own self, but uh, I was raising a, a small team every six months of computer system engineers start out. And uh, it was excellent. It was my first foray into the civilian world where I realized that, you know, you can take your skills and improve a team uh, within that sort of strategic and tactical military sense. Uh, that's my answer. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I mean, the, the ability to, um, to, to look at it as a team environment versus just me and my, like the men and me being separate things. They're all one piece. I think that's fantastic. Um, who's up next? Who else wants to dive in? Dun, dun, dun. Great. No, uh, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the things that I took very early in my career was I had a sergeant tell me it is our duty to question every order given. And I was, it, it took me a long time to understand what that meant, <laughs> right? It, but you're not, I mean, you're not supposed to question directly, but you should be at least thinking, you know, why, why am I, why is this happening? Why am I being told this? Why? Absolutely. It's great. Anybody else want to? Attack on um, that. So yeah, I think, I think it, it comes even further, right? Uh, it, it's it's uh, part of your personality too, as well, right? We're I believe that when we do those jobs, we're givers, right? We care about the world, right? Because mm -hmm. truly, like police, first responder, military, whatever it is, maybe 
you don't work for yourself, right? You work to make sure that everyone is okay, is good to go. You don't know your stupid member if he's stupid or not, right? You, but you still do it for that person. You still, um, like, you still do your job, go overseas, and and maybe go to a sacrifice for people who don't really care back home, right? We're still fighting for a divide or whatever that is. Same with first responder, right? They they clock in for a 12-hour shift, 14 hours, whatever that is, if you have more time. And you do it for a society who doesn't really, who are first thing first, so hyped up to criti criticize, right? So that's number one. So I think that it's part of our personality to give, give, give. And this is what can be a really, really, really dangerous, right? Then second, it was just mentioned, right? Seb, you talked about management and leadership, which is two different worlds, right? The leadership is where you usually, right? You, you will die for your leader if he treats you well. Management, you might he hate him as well. Uh, and this is where leadership doesn't come for everyone. Um, and, and then you have, we talked about it before, uh, what comes as well with the service, right? And we all have been taught that. Now, when you leave the military first responder, it's like you're leaving a boat or a, a car, a fast car that drives 200K an hour and you stop because your buddies, your family, because I don't know for you guys, but the military for me was my family, still run 200K an hour and they don't have necessarily the time to check on you. So you, there's a lot of things that comes and kind of you face the after and before, but I believe strongly that it's part of you to be like this first thing first, right? And and yeah, if you forget yourself, it's the first mistake because you should put yourself first before anything, right? I got something. Uh, you know, I, I got something I'd like to add to that because yeah. uh, it had me rethinking things just a touch. And um, so, John, you'd, you'd mentioned all of that, and I was thinking, well, geez, why did all of these guys get into the military? What, looking at each one of you, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to guess the specific reason why each one of you got into the military, but I would make a general statement, and I think that it would be that all of us got into it for some form of patriotic duty uh, of some form for our country, for our, for our town, for our family, for some sort of patriotism uh, had to do with it. But I found myself, uh, and I'm curious what your thoughts on it are, uh, that over the years it became less about my patriotic duty and it became more about my duty for my fellow man, the guy who was standing next to me on my left and right. And so as the years went by and as I came to understand uh, really why I was there, it was really for my fellow man, the, the person who was in that trench with me or, or, or whatever the case may be. And so in leaving the military, it, it then wasn't mostly for me about my country or patriotism or how I was going to serve my country again. I was... I'd, I'd kind of evolved beyond that, and now I was just seeking ways to help my fellow man. So it was less about focusing on helping a large institutional mass. It was more about finding a way to help people who were within my arm's reach, I think. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. One of the reasons why I got into advocacy as a whole was I... Uh, at the time when I got out, I was looking at the veteran community and I was like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it can get pretty toxic. And, 
I, and I, I kept expecting this paragon, this tier one assaulter is going to come down from the hill and be like, all right, boys, <laughs> this is the way forward. Everybody fucking shut the fuck up and follow me. Right. That's what I was expecting to happen. And I realized like that dude don't exist <laughs> as much as I want somebody else to take over and uh, show me what to do. Tell me what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one here and I'm the one noticing. So why the fuck am I not doing something? Right. And then you start helping that guy and then you're like, well, okay, sweet. That, that guy, Oh, that guy needs help too. I'm going to, I'm going to help that guy. And you start, you find those, those instant connections the same way we did uh, in the uniform or anything else. I remember one of my things I say a lot to other vets is, you know, we, we a lot of us wish we were back overseas but we don't want to really be like nobody really wants to go back to the desert, right? <laughs> That's not what we want. What we want is the feeling that everybody around us cares and would do basically anything for us at that point, right? They would just be, uh, I could hate that guy over there, but he would take a bullet for me. No question. Right. And that's what we miss. That's what we, so that makes total sense. Corey, Matt, Grant, do you want to jump in on, what serve, uh, service for self means? Yeah, I was uh, gonna basically. Um, so we'll do Corey then Matt. Hold no. Oh. Yeah, we'll do Corey. Corey then Matt. We'll be right with you, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. So we're just gonna add. <laughs> okay. The whole uh, service before self, the the concept of mission before man. Uh, I think. What it shifts to when you get out, where it talks about doing your duty with respect, whether pleasant or unpleasant, uh, what we do is now looking for that mission and chasing our passion, helping our fellow veteran out. We're doing that now in the community, and I think the commitment we go through life is doing the best we can and never looking back, continuing on with that mission, doing what uh, we endeavor to help each other out. And those rewards come afterwards with the hard work. But you see a good example with what uh, John is doing, you know, with Wired Differently, his mission, preaching mental health and advocacy. The mission before self continues on. It just kind of transitions into a different aspect of it. It could be a bad form where you're putting yourself to a detriment and punishing yourself and just getting more and more beat down when you're doing too much and not looking out for yourself. So that mission before self needs to kind of change that that concept where you're taking time to improve yourself and help each other, but also chase what it is that you're passionate about. A lot of veterans that get out, they're kind of aimless. And you mentioned the whole uh, combat arms folks going into the Air Force when they're, it's a change in uh, direction and a shift in gears. That combat arms mentality may not be there. And sometimes it can be a little depressing for folks and needing to refine that passion and mission uh, is basically what we're all about here, right? We're looking to help inspire others, motivate them, and help them. And that that's part of where I find when you get so ensconced in what it is that you're passionate about, you continue on with that mission. Not to the point where you're getting so beat down, like maybe when things were overseas, when you're going on your six months of patrolling nonstop. We're not talking about that. We're talking about longevity and long-term and what we can do to help each other out all the other veterans out here doing the job and finding what they love and helping them along. That's, that's really the mission. And that's where I think we're finding that veteran renaissance. So 
you have those missions like the honey badger alliance and those wired differently and then you have seven sean out in the bush you know chopping wood carrying water being the silent ninjas <laughs> hey, don't forget matt Adder that's fantastic i heard that they do the same um, too <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah, jumping out, jumping out of planes and designing uh, shirts and dropping it all in one weekend. <laughs> by the way, I gotta say that that new shirt you just dropped is that awesome. Are you wearing that one right now? The new the samurai, yeah, uh, monster. I That's... designed it last night and did the media just to push myself and see if I could do it in twenty four hours. Turns out you can. Nice man, wicked. Yeah, it's that was all funny. inspiration from the Friday posts and the Saturday posts for the samurai. It just all yeah. came together. That's just wicked. Yeah, yeah available um, online. <laughs> there you go, uh, Matt. What do you got? Um, yeah, like a lot, like going through the entire service thing for like so many years. It, it has always been mission itself. And when you get out, the bubbles changed. Okay, it's um, everyone has kind of heard the term. It's a culture within a culture. Being part of the armed forces, um, and when you get out of that culture then where do we where do we focus where do we go right inside is really easy because you have your buds your buds are there you take care of them they can take care of you um but when you're out of that bubble and no one else is around you has been that experience of watching you and you watch them and watching each other's backs and everyone's more you know turned towards themselves it's it's i can totally see how a person getting out of the armed forces has to refocus themselves where it's like okay I, I need to worry about myself first then going on to helping someone else right um yeah like because we're such a small community like there's only a, like numbers aside i mean armed forces is a small community in general and when we're put in position like overseas or uh like going on courses and stuff you rely on the people around you really closely really hard but once you get out of the Air Force, or like even going from combat arms to like the Air Force, it's a, it's still within that bubble, but it's not, it's it's a bigger bubble versus what you're you're used to as a section level, doing your thing, right? So, it's 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 kind of a mind shift to actually getting out of that, that isolation, into a more broader aspect of, the community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Grant, you want to post it on? Yeah, I'll uh, come in on the uh, arse end of her here. Um, Sean, I want to say I really like what you said there earlier because um, that's pretty similar to my experience with things where, um, you know, you want to you wanna do good things for other people, but there is that selfish component too. It's like, well, I want to make myself better while I'm still doing something in service of others. And, I mean, that's just um, – that just compounds because as you learn new and better things yourself, you can then pass it on to other people as well and further strengthen the team. Um, and I found too, once I get out of the, the infantry there, I was kind of lost for a couple of years and then I did oil and gas and then I was kind of missing something. So I found my way into corrections and it was kind of enough just to kind of, to feed the chemical itch there that I needed. And, uh, but it was the same experience where, um, you know, and, and based on just, I was listening to the, basically everything you guys were saying and i've just the same for me too is we've we've already been had our metal tested and and we we've been around people and we've you know had our brothers beside us that have had the same thing so we want to see people we want to make people around us strong we want to make the entire team strong and i think what has to happen there 
when we get out is the we have to realize we're on a different battlefield and so we have to change our tactics i mean we can't come off across as maybe heavy-handed or hard-headed as you know some of our experiences we have but we still have to figure out that language in order to um to cultivate that to wherever we find ourselves because that's really the end of the day what you want to do and that ties in with that service before self thing where you know you make your whole team stronger as a result and then you know it forces you to level keep leveling yourself up as well uh, it's just a perpetually feeding thing if if we can kind of do it right and kind of keep the balance and i know like um me just in this this profession that i've been uh over the last 13 years it was a rough it was a very rough transition going from uh the military to this one completely different but i f managed to figure it out and uh learn some lessons and um a big part of it was you know like what john what you're saying you're going 200 miles an hour you got to definitely pump the brakes and kind of stop and look and see where the well excuse me what the environment you're in there and then uh just kind of kind of readjust and go from there and then yeah you know same mission same mission so you just take that take that whole concept if it's already hardwired and ingrained into us why why would you want to fight that take that and make that work for you so it's like okay mission what's the mission got to get my teammates up okay so now the mission is all of a sudden if an incident happens now we have better more informed and or more tougher stronger teammates to help us with the incident then we go back to the other mission let's get stronger again what do we learn what can we apply is what can we you know just the after action debriefs but then action those things and be like all right let's go and try these things let's play with these things let's test these things or whatever so yeah like it doesn't have to be a bad thing just understand you can make it into a, a perpetual machine that is going to make your whole team better and that should be the goal of anywhere you go because it's like especially if you're anywhere where lives are on the line or things matter or or you know big things are at stake it's like you want the opposition to be so terrified of you that they don't even want to dare to engage you and if you have a team like that then then you've won that's that that comes back to that sun Tzu quote about how you know if you can win without fighting then you, you know that's the best type of victory right so you know you see and people watch too right it's like well, these guys are hardcore i don't want to i don't want to fuck with those guys kind of deal so that's kind of that's kind of my take on the whole thing in a very uh condensed nutshell Friend, that's the PG that's fantastic. The, uh, so you're swearing words offend people here? <laughs> oh, I guess I'm the one that bro I'm the, I did break the seal on that it's one. Not. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's not at all. Don't worry. We're good to go. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because it perfectly leads into what we're going to talk to. But uh, I was just listening to a Jocko podcast, actually. I think I'm in 300-something. I don't remember where I'm at. Anyway. He was literally just talking about the time uh, when he was driving around with the other SEALs in Iraq in their Humvees and they had turned their seats outwards so that you're facing uh, uh, perpendicular to the way you're driving, except for the driver. And, you know, the SEAL vehicles always have guns everywhere, right? And they're just pointed everywhere. And he was saying that, you know, if I was an insurgent, I'm not... I'm not taking those guys. Like, I'm not going to assault those guys because they're going to kill us. Whereas you see a buttoned up Humvee and everything's locked and there's no one in the gunner's hatch. Yeah, we'll ambush, ambush those guys all day. Right. And I think it goes to exactly to what you're saying is that if you're, if you have the presence of strength, just the presence of strength, you are going to mitigate a lot of the issues that you're going to engage in anyway. So, in terms of mental health and in terms of bettering your team and bettering, you know, those around you. Again, if you just have that presence of like, everything's good to go. We're just going to, we're going to carry on. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. It, it bleeds into everybody else. And that's, you know, that's what leadership is as a whole. But, uh, so the next point I wanted to get into is the team. Sorry, and... Chance. Can I just, uh, jump no, in? Go ahead. And you got... I got a question yeah, based on what, uh, Grant was talking about. 
uh, brought, brought another thought to mind, and that is uh, I think that probably as a group collectively, if we're given enough time, enough years, we would all figure out where we're, we're supposed to be once we left the military. Um, and that might take somebody a year, 10 years, 20 years. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Eventually, it'll get figured out. Um, and, and usually, it turns out real well. But uh, when you're leaving the military, I'm curious for each one of you uh, how you calibrated uh, once you got onto Civilian Street. For myself, uh, one morning I was sitting at my desk doing an unusual job, and then that afternoon I was driving towards my new civilian lifestyle. And that calibration took some time. And uh, if I figured it out, it was only by luck. Uh, it certainly wasn't because I had it all figured out super quick. So looking at all of you, I'd just be curious if each one of you could just give me like a 30-second soundbite on how you calibrated, if that's okay. Well, I can go if you want. I don't mind. Um, Give her. The guy released on 2016, I think the 5th September, I was military, and the 6th, I was police. Uh, I, I did not adapt. It took took a long time and honesty is not uh, blunt honesty is not appreciated in civilian life which i learned and i got in trouble often uh you know like the, the, the casual thing right we we used to wear a uniform you shut up you put your boots on you you have to just look like it's supposed to be and you show up on time and there's no reason that your mommy didn't make your breakfast or whatever i did not personally i got in trouble a few times for saying shut the fuck up like just own your crap and shut the fuck up Right. And, and sadly, I'm, I'm still at that still pl same point. Right. But but to link this with um, I think it's Corey. Um, Corey was saying uh, different or we're talking about different culture or Matthew. I'm not sure. Anyways, it's a different world. We are in a different world and we're adapting to another world. Right. And then it becomes your life for X amount of time. And then you go back to something that is different. I think. I think there's an adaptation that has to be done by us as veterans going back to civilian life and to the civilian as well. We don't need to be fixed because we think differently, right? We need to be accepted and maybe heard, right? Uh, because because you, you think a certain way, you go to the U.S., you're fine because they are so patriotic towards their uniform. And here, it's not always the case, right? Like it depends on the province. I got spat on wearing my uniform in Quebec, right? Versus I got my hand shook in Ontario and in Alberta, right? So I, I think I think the adaptation has to be made and people have been to be aware that, that we are okay still. Not because we're not because we're not thinking the same way. We're not broken. We're just this is as a result of our service, which is fine, right? Um, so I think there's there's something there that has to be done on both hands, which sadly we don't have any explanation how to adapt, right? So they teach us how to wear our uniform. They don't teach us how to remove it. I know there's a course of four hours PowerPoint that we die on it, where they tell you this is where you can ask for help and whatnot, but it, it doesn't do anything, right? Because it's, it's your way of living for X amount of time. So no, I, I don't I personally did not adapt. And I still I think as of today, my wife would say probably the same, right? I, I, I don't mind, I don't want to change. There's no, there's nothing wrong. That's it, my rent. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point who else wants, who wants to go next um, yeah I'm, I'm not going to change like I got out of the forces I'm still forces in my blood and I'll bring that to every job every opportunity every task I do 
there's always that fallback because like that's 25 years of experience i'm not just going to throw away we talked about that in the podcast but like, how's evolution instead of transitioning right um i what i've learned what i'm going to make my next step better and then once i've learned or failed from that step i'm going to go to the next step and make that better and so on and so on so i'm bringing all this baggage with me because i earned it and no one can take that away from me that's my thought absolutely yeah, uh, John and I, uh, we talked with this. I'll get to this first, and I'll just get to where my transitionary point was there as well. But John and I, we talked with this before, and I come up with a little new, um, a little new way to describe it. So um, when we go back into society, we have a lot of problems because we're made aware of more of the world and more of the, the potential bad things that are out in the world and just different ways of life. And so the thing that we have to realize when we're talking to people and they come across as like naive or silly or whatever, it's the equivalent of if you're in a, if you have a grade 12 level math class and you go into like a grade three one and you're watching people struggle with their problems at, at their level, it's like, well, why should they do this? Cause we have to understand that we are aware of, and we know more. And so to agree, we kind of have to be, I think a little bit less judgmental that way. And you can either, there's two, there's either two ways you can go at it positively. You can, you can choose to accept it and leave it at that and let it go. Or depending on what the circumstance is, you know, just bring people up to speed a little bit more. Hey, you know what, maybe consider this, this, or this, because I've seen people and they do act like this, this, or this. And I found that that goes a long way, especially uh, now in the job where I'm at, taking on more of a, a bit of a mentor role because it sounds weird to say this, but I'm one of the more senior people there now. And so we get lots of junior guys through and, um, it, it is very much so easier to get the information across when you tell them, hey, consider this and consider that. And just know that they're not going to have all the answers. They're going to fuck things up here and there. And that's okay, too. It's just the, the idea is you have to learn as long as it's not too critical. And, and, and people are very appreciative of that. And I think that goes a long way. Um, it's very easy just to come across with the old, you know, with the fear mongering and shoving it down someone's throat. But no one wants to hear that. Nobody gives a shit. That's what I found. So it's, you know, a better way to pivot with the same, get your point across the same way, but just, uh, or sorry, get the same point across, but just with different language. And I found that really works pretty well. As far as transitioning from uh, where I get into the military to where I went now, this is going to sound completely ridiculous, but I forced up my way into everything that I've had come come along. I was just, uh, when I got into the military, I was home for I was home for a year. It kind of took me a year, though, like where I, I couldn't look at people. I was just me and the dog for about a year or so. Um, that was kind of a bit rough getting over it. And finally, at a year, just something clicked. And I was like, okay, I want to... I want to do something, so I was like, oh, I'll just go somewhere familiar. I'll go with the boys. Some of them were working in the oil and gas, so I had this opportunity presented to me. I'm like, I didn't even put a second thought into it. I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to figure it out. If everybody else figured it out, I should be able to figure it out, and so I did. And then uh, whenever the economy was looked like it was going to hell in 2009 there, uh, a lot of the people that worked in the company that I worked in, uh, they were firing the the ones that were making better and they were into the uh, management positions. I'm like, well, if that's my reward for working in a, in a, in an occupation like this, I don't want it. So at the time it was either uh, fire corrections or I think there was something else. And I was like, Oh, I have, I haven't tried that. Let's just try that. You know, let's see if it looks like it looks like on TV. And that's about as much thought as I put into it. And that was 13 years ago and still here. And I've learned so, so much. It's made so many more things in life easier when you deal with people like that day in and day out. Um, 
you learn an awful lot. And again, it was like I said, it took a big, uh, it took a big transition and a big pivot on on how I ran operations because uh, that was rough for the first probably two years there until I kind of figured that out. It took a few more to <laughs> took a few more for it to level off, and then I started this project. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it was for me. Do you regret not going firefighter okay. and sleeping Seven. at night? Well, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like it's like I I could have went to a, a computer college or I could have went to the infantry. I'd still pick the infantry every day because it's like, well, I'm not a, you know, I, I I would not change that experience for the world. So it's like I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. Could have been semi-retired with fire seven days a month. Isn't it? I have no idea. Yeah. Is that what it is, John? So they work. <laughs> they work. Twenty-four hours shifts uh, in Alberta, life. and then they have three days off, and then another twenty-four-hour shift and four days off. They work eight days. But the thing is, though, I can't grow the mustache and the chest hair good enough to get on them calendars, though. So that was out right there, just at that. <laughs> That's super trooper, man. Yeah. That's not the same. I can see what I would. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Corey, got any points, Dad? I don't know what I could add to that. That's uh, really on point, Seb. Uh, as clear as uh... nailed it. And cut through water. Um, for me, exact same uh, story. So, I actually had two instances where I was getting out of the forces. I'm actually still in, but uh, from going for my first full time tour, went over to Blackwater, ended up uh, doing some private contracting in the Caribbean for a few years, started my own company. So, things really didn't slow down. It actually spiraled out of control and then got busier and busier. And then, in between, that I ended up getting back in and doing another tour. It wasn't fully out. And then the second tour after getting injured immediately got uh, onto the team. So as soon as I was able to run again, that's the exact same uh, principle. So Seb talks about dialing up your character. Once you find out what you're really made of, what you can tap into that inner beast, that's where uh, I found the ability to push through Despite uh, not being fully rehabilitated, I was still able to make it on the teams where I was there for six years and then transition to the scientist role I'm in now. But uh, I think for those getting out, the big key is finding your new mission and then dialing down that intensity is something I think takes a long time for me dealing with uh, the issues that I had. But just dealing with normal everyday people, I had a hard time not really just cutting through the bullshit or just being a little too intense. Now I can kind of regulate that a lot better. Maybe it's a maturity thing or it comes with experience, but I think that's a really common issue for a lot of folks on the operational side. How can they transition and also find their new mission? And well, you know, Sean, as you were saying, as you're planning towards that, you'd think with all those years and experience, you'd be ready. But a lot of people aren't when it comes to full stop. They haven't prepared for what it is that's going to continue to define them so not letting the uniform be all that you are or the mission finding your own uh, inner passion is really the key to that and being able to continue on and looking for other ways to help others so that mission before self although it changes i think that's a really big key there that helps people to move on and uh, continue forward doing something different albeit at a different tempo but uh it's nice to dial up that inner savage when you need to and tap into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not much I can add to that, but, uh, my, my personal experience getting out was 
the opposite of basically everybody here. <laughs> I got out and I, I just spent a year trying to work with my psychologist, trying to get better. And he made me worse. And then I eventually, I think of a buddy of mine, can't remember who I was talking to. I was just like, man, this guy sucks. And I just, every day I dread being there. I don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, you can just go somewhere else, right? <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. And then I immediately started looking at like trauma specialists and so on and so forth to try and make myself better. But I took, I went, I, I just said, okay, well, if I'm getting, I saw this one, my psychologist that I see now, and she's made me a lot better. Um, but it's, I immediately went like, oh, I'm getting better. Excellent. I'm going to go to school. And oh man, that was not smart. I went from being Master Corporal Burles in Meaford, right? Like I was an instructor. I told people what to do. I was teaching people. I was, there was knife hands flying everywhere. Um, to, I now have a, an eight month old son or like a, you know, 12 month old son, whatever. I'm not doing the math, but, uh, who doesn't do what I tell him when I tell him to do it. Right. And I don't know how to bring that back. And then I go to school and I'm surrounded by 19 year old girls who are on their phone all the time. And I can't fucking hear the lesson because my hearing aids are picking up their fucking. And I'm just wandering around like there's no fucking control. Why does no one have any fucking control? Ah! So I had a very challenging exit up until the point that I realized that uh, I was like, what do I want to do? And A, I wanted to still look after the boys. And that was just always my goal. As you said earlier, Sean, it, it does transition. I I have this picture of myself when I was four. And I was wearing like an OD shirt, like an OD sweater. And it said Army across the front. And that was, you know, I wanted to be a soldier my whole life. And then getting out was a whole nother ball of wax. But uh, trying to figure out who I was after that, being like, now what? So I wanted to now, you, it slowly morphed into, instead of just wanting to serve the nation, wanting to be a soldier, wanting to do this, it was about, that guy needs help. I'm going to go help that guy. And then I'm going to go help that guy. And then I'm going to go help that guy. And it uh, it became very challenging because, again, I just wore myself out. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to school. And then I'm going to have a ranch. And then I'm going to have horses. And I'm going to have this. And I'm going to work these. And I got this. And, blah, 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 and I'm, all these plans start, I'm going 100 miles an hour. And really what you need to do is just like, as you said, pump the brakes, <laughs> take a fucking second, look around, figure out what needs to happen and then make it happen. And just the timeline, I think is the biggest one for us is that, especially for uh, me, especially was that I'm not giving myself the timeline necessary, right? It, it is possible if I really wanted to and said, okay, tomorrow, I'm going to start talking to investors and I'm going to find money and I'm going to get this ranch and I'm going to do these things and blah, blah, blah. And then within one year, I'm going to have this thing open. That's technically possible. That, that There's no reason that can't get done. But what am I giving up in order to do that? Right? That's going to be a 24-hour job just, just to get there. And then once you're there, you have to give up more time to do these things and so on and so forth. But I also have two kids and I got a family. Right? Like, and like... I want to be able to do other things. I want to be able to go and shoot. I want to be able to do podcasts. I want to be able to, you know, go to the gym. I want to be able to do jujitsu. All those things take time. And so when you don't give yourself that proper distance, and I said it to a couple of people, but Corey, I remember talking to you. I was like, the, uh, the distance doesn't define the journey. 
right? It's, it's not about how long it takes to get there. It's not about whether it's a year or 10 years or 15. It's about getting there. And uh, just to add a little point onto this, I learned this in jiu-jitsu a little while ago, was that when we're drilling, my, my uh, professor says this all the time when we're drilling, it's like, you don't need to get the move for, for you to, when you're drilling, for to understand the, the principle, right? You go from, if the whole sequence is to get out of someone's guard, pass the guard, move into side control and do an Americana, and you guys start live drilling, if you can get out of the guard in that 30 seconds, in that 40 second, like, drill session, good, <laughs> right? You've increased your odds for the next day. Doesn't mean you didn't work. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means you needed more time. And that's something that we need to learn, especially as veterans, when we get out is like, give yourself the time. If it takes 10 years for you to get better, guess what? You're better. <laughs> Actually, so what? It, it took 10 it'll years. take more than time. It's going to take oh, uh, a whole pile work. of failures. And uh, yeah. here's a super interesting thing that I've learned after several industry careers is in the military, um, you know, if, if you're on a hard, on the hard path, you're, you're going to face a lot of failures. Um, if on, on just on a particular course, you might fail 10 times a day when normally you never fail. But within the military context, it's almost expected that you're going to have multiple failure points throughout a course timeline. And then when you're off course, when you're working with the guys, you'll have multiple failures. And really, I think throughout the years, most of us are just trying to do the best that we can to fail less and carry on with the mission, et cetera. And that's all good because it's in a single pipeline, the military pipeline. And it's all understandable because that's the pipeline we stay in. But as soon as you move out onto civilian street, and I should be careful to delineate between a younger soldier and, an, uh, and a more seer, uh, or more experienced soldier, uh, they're... Um, what they will face on civilian street will be a little bit different, but that transition for someone who's failed a lot in the military is a little easier than someone who hasn't failed a lot in the military. But what is key is once you're out onto civilian street, you, you only assign your, your success value to that particular okay, I've just got to get that cubicle or I've got to get that corner office or I've got to get next to the printer or if I could just get a bit closer to the water cooler. Uh, whatever small goals you set for yourself, when you have failures in that new industry, you, you really don't have a, uh, a calibration point. You don't have that baseline that you would get in the military built up over years. Failures become okay in the military because it becomes the norm but failures out on civilian street aren't quite as normal. And uh, yeah, it can cause a lot of friction, I think, uh, if you hang on to your successes in the civilian street just a little too hard. For myself, I, I've failed so many times on civilian street, I feel like I'm now back in the military. I've failed that many times. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, right about the time that I started to feel pretty good about my identity in whatever industry it was, I was keen to move into the next one to kind of tie that philosophical white belt on again, start failing again. Um, and, and I think it's something that's not talked about very much. Uh, 
that uh, when you get out onto Civilian Street, for sure, you're going to have a boatload of failures uh, and, uh, you know, maybe years uh, until you either figure out how to do it better or you figure out how to move along into the next industry or the next mission, next What about task. accepting the failure, right? That's another one, too, because you've got mm -hmm. to accept it. Well, it's super right? hard. Yeah. But it, I think, I think, it's super yeah, hard. And I think and, and, and what you've spoken about, and, and uh, I believe it's Corey, um, we're talking about the mission, the mission, the mission, like what it would be the mission as well, because the problem with us is the mission, we're, we're going to fulfill it, that it takes a year, two years, five years, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, right? We've been trained that way. We've been re-educated, rewired, whatever you want to call it, um, but should, be not our, should not be our first mission realizing who we are again, because I was talking to my uh, um, occupational therapist and she told me she's like I will never ask again a veteran can you do that because he will never tell me no right so if, if you have to let's say let's say I have issue going to my grocery right stupid stupid question but stupid thing but it, it happens right and my my occupational therapist will say can you do it I'll say yes I'm gonna go I'm gonna shut down every feelings that are happening this is disconnected that's gonna work get my apples get my onions walk out it's done then i'm a trigger because then that reconnect after right so is it our first mission to actually adjust back to who we are with that 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 background that we've had right but with our self-identity as well right because quite often the self-identity goes away because we become the military right or we become the police or we become whatever it is right because you have the same thing in police i've seen it where and my wife still tell me this is fucking, he's driving, he's not allowed to do this, he's fucking not that. And I see all the freaking traffic code in my head, I still do it. <laughs> or I, I, I drove in Regina, which I've never been in my life, and I saw elder 50 years old man on a BMX in my head, he's a drug dealer. Because hell, in town here, I've seen them as a drug dealer, right? So is it the fact that we need to readapt to who we are as a self-identity should be our first mission, if, if, if it's not there yet, right? I'd be curious. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Well, I didn't know it. Ate. Oh, come on. Oh, Give me a that's, break that's a problem for me. Yeah. Give me a break here. <laughs> uh, I'm eight yeah. years over the elder. <laughs> See, I would have given you 27 years old. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and that's because of the background, obviously. But uh, <laughs> no, no. But like, yeah. you, you do an association, no, right? And, and it's it's it's. This is where I'm I'm wondering if there's a. Uh, the, sh the first mission should be to readapt, right? To readapt to who we are as a person. Oh, yeah. And I, I, but that's why you okay. have a pen, no? You take notes? No worries. Oh, we talk? Oh, we have... Okay, okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Got to gotta spin it every once in a while, right? Just give yourself a little... Give yourself a fidget spinner or something and spin it around. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you know, that a great point, John, is the fact that we make... Um, we make soldiers, Right, we make policemen, we make firemen, and it really reminded me of. Uh, I had this thing because I was the marker. You know, I'm I'm a big guy. I've always been the marker in any sort of drill situation, and I took that on as a uh, as a point of pride. Right, that was like I am going to be okay. Fine, you want to be a marker? I'm going to be the fucking marker, <laughs> right? And uh, the the really interesting thing was that I would have a face. I would just turn it on. I'd be like, okay, 
drill time, right? And you go, boom. And I, I have to look forward. Everyone else is doing eyes right and stuff like that. I'm just, bang, I'm centered on this guy. And uh, I realized that my, my drill face was the face I made when I did stuff like that, right? You got to go into the grocery store and you're like, okay, turn it off. Boom. And you just go. And uh, you're you're 100% right. We need something that we can teach people how to not be a soldier, basically. And uh, I was talking with Mark Campbell uh, a while back, and we were saying that, you know, the the key is to have an out camp. We have a boot camp when you get in, right, to teach you how to do all these things. And I'm going to teach you how to tie your shoelaces because you don't fucking know, right? To having an out camp where they literally sit there and go, you know what, man? Tie your shoelaces however you want. Right? <laughs> Just And step by step, you know, you could run it at, uh, I was to- talking with, uh, I think Toby with this was that we could have like camps running in the, on the bases, right? You don't, you could have two, three veteran dudes who've been in, uh, been out for a little while attached with a VA person and not like a JPSU where they just get sent, right? You're off, gone, bye-bye. But to an actual location, they have timings, they have actual classes they have to take. There's like, it's an actual course. This is your out course. You're going to be taking it for the next two months. You're assigned to this person, blah, 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 blah. And off you go. And then you show up to work that next day, like you would normally surrounded by other guys that are getting out at the same time. Uh, uh, and then, you know, teach them how to do things. This is how you find a doctor. This is how you find, uh, you know, a tax representative. This is where you need to go, blah, 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 blah. And for some people, like, you know, like you said, when you're, uh, Sean, you were saying earlier that, you know, senior people, when they get out, from my experience, usually have a better time transitioning out because A, they're used to being in, in charge and B, they're used to doing lots of paperwork. They have admin stuff to do, right? You're, you're constantly doing admin. You got to send this guy in here, do that. Matt and I, I think we're talking about that as well on uh, the, our podcast. Um, and you take a brand new private, you know, say he's in for three years. Let's use uh, an actual example. You take someone, joins the infantry, goes to Afghanistan, loses a leg. Now he's out of the army. He's been in the army for like an, a year and a half. He's 19. You just gave him a shit ton of money. Said, see you later. What do you fucking think is going to happen? Like, really? like, what do you think is going to happen, right? If he's really smart, he might buy a house. He might, you know, do whatever. A lot of times it goes negatively the other way. But if you had an actual out camp, something that someone had to show up for every day. Okay, here we go. Do this, blah, blah, blah. And, and oh, this is how taxes work. Oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense. And then you can actually teach people. So what that does quick question, does that already exist yet or not? Uh, Actually, it does. It does. So there's uh, there's two vets in BC that build up a project for this. Now, they approach uh, D&D for it. But I think right now it's still on the private side. And I know as well, US does it where they open it to Canadian as well. So we have access to something similar. Yeah. Um, But should our and and I'm going to let you go, Sean, after two seconds, I'm just I just have that stupid Todd but so we have to do our part and I totally agree with you with this should somehow because we need to teach as well people that whatever you learn in the last time that you serve if it's 20 some years old uh, three years or whatnot will never be recognized in our country because that's another fact whatever you've done uh, most of the jobs do not recognize it they recognize it as oh you'll show up on time you'll give your time whatever it is right but 
what I faced personally in the last four years, whatever I learned there is not recognized. And I've been told that in court, which was extremely insulting, right? So is there a part in this that we have to do as, as veteran, but is there a part that as well has to be done, not necessarily civilian, right? Because it's not a civilian level, but society, right? Like, it, 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 or do you have mm -hmm. to go back? Because I mean, whatever the trade may be in communication, it was come research for, for five years. It's not recognized, right? So I have to do equivalency, still have to go back to school because that part was not granted as real school but it's given by government. So uh, is there something as well, yeah. a bridge that has to be done on both sides, right? There, there's something there to look at. Yeah. That's what I was talking about was the fact that it should be a military program, right? You're getting into the military. It's now the military's responsibility to get you out. It sh absolutely should be. And it should be accompanied by veterans. It should be people that have been out, that have been there, that have been doing this. Peer support is so important throughout all of everything, right? And that's how we live in the military is peer support. Now you're getting out and you're just, especially Canada, man, like we get, we get somebody that leaves Petawawa and they're from fucking Flin Flon, Manitoba. What kind of military presence is there, right? Basically none. Some vets here and there, maybe a legion, but that's it. These guys are now just sent off to wherever. I'm a little bit, I'm complaining a bit right now, but uh, the, uh, I think it, it, there's something that we could create and have the D&D embrace it and say, absolutely. And what I was going to say was that it behooves the nation to do so because we have a greatest generation, right? We have an entire generation of people who came back from World War II that built the nation we live in. We now have the capability to do that with all of the vets from Afghanistan and everything we've learned and all the skill sets we have, we should be, we should be giving solid, good working, uh, citizens back to the country rather than the trope of the broken veteran or the uh, the guy that's angry all the time or the really intense dude that no one wants to talk to, right? Instead of those tropes being there, they should be something of, oh, wow, this guy served in the army. Cool, he's our best worker. This is awesome. He does great work. He's, he's loved by everybody. You know what? When my kid gets older, maybe I should get him to join the army, right? It, it's a self-cycling or self-benefiting cycle if you provide the nation with a really good example of what the military can accomplish that next generation wants to be a part of it and then that betters the system and it just keeps cycling better sorry yeah sean did you have a point on that or? well i just curious that if you know if i took myself as an example and thought mm, 35 year old sean is going to go back and sort out 35 year old sean that wouldn't have gone very well. I just, I just didn't have the maturity. I didn't have the wisdom. I, you know, I, I really didn't actually know how civilian street worked. Uh, that took a long time. And so it's only just now, as, as I've been ratted out by my friend Seb, I'm over 50. Um, as I'm only just learning now that uh, I'm, I'm probably old enough or have a, just a little bit enough wisdom to say to myself, man, I wish I could go back and talk to 35-year-old Sean and, and give uh, some good advice uh, that, that I, I was completely unaware of at, at that 35-year-old time. And so it, it makes me think um, a little more cautiously about the proposition of 
you know, a, a bunch of veterans kind of sitting down with a bunch of young guys and saying, hey, you know, this is how it works because I couldn't have done it at 35. I couldn't have passed on good information to to some young fellas coming up or or about to get out. I just didn't know enough myself. Uh, so I think the there's probably a careful line between a, a service to people who are getting out uh, uh, more carefully vetted uh, uh, and and probably a little more structured, formally structured somehow so that uh, people who would be passing on that information are uh, a little bit wiser than I was when I was uh, 35, 40, 45 kind of thing. For sure. Yeah. No, that... that you know, it actually leads directly back into what I wanted to get onto to next. Uh, it is that when the team wins, everyone wins, right? <laughs> and yet, it it's it's led uh, the mil as you said, the military. We we train people to go to war, right? Just you're getting trained to go to war, and then once you're done with that, you're being dumped off to the side or you know, you get some posting somewhere else or whatever. Once the war is over, it's no longer whatever, you know. And we see this a lot too, right? The the hard chargers, the guys that wanted to fucking go and fight and do the job and like, let's get this fucking on. Those people, once the war, once Afghanistan was over, were slowly pushed off to the side, right? And it was just like, you know what? We don't really need you anymore. But you do need those people. And that, you're you're basically, the you know, you're taking advantage of their drive of their desire to do these things and what what i'm gonna ask is how do we change the institution to see that it's more important to work as the team to work for it so we all win instead of just him winning or this guy getting that promotion or this guy fucking getting the check in the box or whatever how do we get the institutions to see, I mean, police, fire, you name it. I've heard the same story across the board in first responding uh, environments is that once you're done, you're just done, right? You're okay. That guy's gone. Move on. Carry on. And I, I get it. Like there's a machine, right? The military is a machine. You got to keep moving. There's lots of stuff to do, but to just drop people off like that, it always seems mind-boggling you're you're just tossing years of experience and you uh the, one of the things that really tripped me out was the university universality of service issue right like if you get injured you can't work in the military anymore well what why the fuck not why can't i work clerical stuff why can't i work fucking in the rq why can't i do something but just stay i don't have to be one of the fucking dudes up front i can still work though and uh and yet we just Peace out. <laughs> Have fun. So, how do we change that institutionally? I, I don't. I don't think you're ever going to change the institution. All you can do is change yeah. yourself, and change the tact towards the problem that you've just described. Because ultimately, you're the only one who has control of that immediate environment. And so, I would yep. suggest this: that. For the individuals who were set off to the side or, or, or placed out of the way for whatever reason, they're still good to go. They, they've still got all of those skills. However many years they developed those particular skills, they're still in place. And so if that individual is set aside, they can carry on successfully. They'll find a way. Now, as for the institution, for sure the institution 
loses that intellectual uh, knowledge, that corporate knowledge, if you will, but it will be replaced. But the individual, which is what we're talking about, is going to get to carry on successfully. And guess what? Now they're in a new environment, a new location, a new task, a new industry, whatever the case is. And they're rising up the boats around them because of that strong foundational skill set. So I, I see it as less of an issue. Um, you can't change the institution, but the individual can just reprioritize or, or redefine what's important. And that is for them to get on uh, being successful. Yeah, I like what Sean said. Um, I don't think it's the institution that we're getting, like getting out of the institution that's where we should be really focusing on because that is a small aspect of things. But society in general too, and this kind of goes back to your original point where you're, um, you got this gunfighter, well-trained dude, he gets out and he's got all these soft skills, but they're not certified for anything. Like civilian workplaces doesn't recognize them. We need to educate that aspect, the bigger bubble, that when you are getting somebody out of the military, and even if it's like uh, private number three who spent three years in service, you know, he's bringing all these aspects into that new occupation, new career. That has to be welcomed more than just, oh, this is a veteran, we're making our quota, check the mark, he can work on, you know, dishes number three or whatever. So I think it's, I think we think bigger, not just like the institution we're getting out, but think bigger about the institution we're getting into. Yeah, it's super tough. Uh, I, I mean, I faced it myself. I, when I got out on civilian street, like I, there was no clear path in front of me. I just forged my own way through really hard work. And, and so to that point, you know, the, the individual, if, if they're competent and capable and they, they were brought up in a system that teaches you how to, stay focused and disciplined and work hard, no matter what's in front of you, you'll be successful. And so if you get out on, on to this civilian side of things, even though there isn't a clear cut path in front of you, you just got to do what you already know how to do. And that is be disciplined, focused and work through the adversity. And, and man, it can take years. It's not just days or weeks or months, years, decades to start to see some kind of self-satisfying satisfaction but man it's a grind uh just it's just like getting back into basic training uh you got to grind your way through basic and then you grind your way through the service and eventually you start becoming competent in certain skills and then you're off to the races well the same thing on civilian street except you've already got a boatload of skills inside of you you've just got to learn how to apply that within that new environment I don't see it as a particularly difficult thing to do other than that calibration in that new civilian world. It's the calibration, as I see it, that is the trick. Not the individual's hard work ethic or focus or discipline. It's the calibration that is the trick, in my I opinion. I think, again, it's not. Yeah. I think what. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, no, go uh, I think, John, uh, we talked with this. I talked with someone with this before. Exactly what you were saying there, Seb, is, um, you know, whatever, whatever your whatever um, image or whatever crest you decide to stand behind, you make that crest. Not, yeah, like you're saying, someone else. And I've said this, too. It's like, you know, you can say this and you can say that, but 
at the end of the day, what am I doing when I put that uniform on? How do my actions dictate my actions dictate how that service or or entity that I work on behalf of is represented? So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a very contagious thing whenever you start to see that. Whenever you do things the proper way, where it's like, no, you know what? I'm taking ownership for all my own shit, um, all my all my failures and all my victories. Um, you can do things in a more positive way, and you get better results, and it. It will start attracting people, and you're right. You don't have to get them all. And, and I, cause I, whenever you're saying that, I was like, yeah, it's like a very, very similar experience over the court. It took a long time. It took probably eight years, eight years to get to where it is now. And like I've been working kind of in the same place, so it's kind of it's nice. You could see a change over the years from the one same consistent place. But if you are willing to put your nose to the grindstone and and you want to make whatever it is your reality, good or bad, you will get you will get it one way or another. So it was really cool to hear that from your side because it, it, it it's like a very similar experience at our place as well. Just to reinforce that, like, yeah, it's, you make that image what it is, right? I think that's what they were talking about, John. Like, um, just the overall, like, what, what you make, what you make the entity you work for. <laughs> so a super interesting thing right. that I'd like to mention is yeah. uh, By all just listening to everyone chat on this particular subject. Um, the... An observation of mine is for myself and others is you can you can be you know competent in the military you can work really hard you can you can kind of move towards that tip of the spear and um, within the organization generally speaking you have some form of recognition um, your peers around you will recognize that new patch that you've got on your shoulder or you know, uh, the the task that you just went off on or came back from. Um, there's recognition within the organization, but as soon as you get out onto civilian street, um, no one really knows what you're about. Uh, and, and generally speaking, you don't know what you're about within the civilian world for a little while. And so uh, it's kind of a, a bit of an isolating place in the sense of no one around you understands what you have done or did or were or are. And um, you, for me, uh, I relied on that classic sort of deeds, not words sort of mentality where I just kept working hard, work, work, work. And, and, and almost in the absence of recognition is where it starts to become difficult because you're not part of a feedback loop at all. You're, you're just working and no one's correcting you. No one's saying, hey, move left, move right, uh, up or down. You just work hard as best you can without a lot of input. And it takes quite a few years to kind of be comfortable in that environment, I found. Uh, I'd be curious as to what you guys thought for those first one or two years where you were working hard perhaps but in isolation um anybody want to take that first no okay i'll jump in <laughs> so the the question is you're you're asking what we did that the moment that first year of isolation when we got out is that what you're yeah asking? i'm saying that within the institution called the military we are, are supported mm. by a bunch of guys or, and girls who know what we're about if you've got a patch on your shoulder they immediately oh, yeah, yeah, know yeah, yeah, who right, you are right, and right. what you've done and and how you got to yeah. be there there are no patches out on civilian street to say yeah. you are xyz 
mind you, once you're out on Civilian Street, you're still grinding. You're still yeah. like working hard, but uh, no one really understands uh, what you're doing or what you're about. And that calibration during that one or two years can be a bit difficult. Did you guys face that or no? Oh yeah, the, uh, the I think the the biggest challenge, especially when getting out. I mean, personally, I had. I actually had to go to my adj directly and tell him that I, w I had two months left in my contract before like they didn't even realize so like it was I, I walked in there I'm like should I be doing something like are there meetings or like, there's something that I need to do and they quickly offered me a new contract and I turned it down I wanted to get out but I had I, I just I had basically I had six months of work worth of preparation that I'm supposed to go through that I got jam-packed into two months and it actually came out in my benefit because when I talked to the VA there was one person getting out me there was one representative from the VA directly there so it was like we need to get you let's go and, and they just started throwing paperwork at me and I'm like sign 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 I didn't even know what I was applying for I was basically applying for everything but because I did that my transition out in terms of you know financial coverage and making sure that I had a doctor in place and making sure I had, you know, the basics to transfer into uh, civilian life or veteran life, I should say. I really keep making that mistake. Anyway, um, into life as a veteran, uh, I, I got lucky because that was covered. And then I made, uh, you know, I went to my therapy appointments and I went to school and I went to do it. So everything was covered off, but I wasn't making the connection. I wasn't ready really going okay you know what i'm no longer a soldier i'm no longer mass corporals i'm no longer this guy i'm up until the point that i was ready to make that choice and i think again that's why i was talking about an out camp earlier was the fact that once you get out i mean i know lots of dudes that got out on a whim right i don't like this shit anymore six months vr let's do this right and they just left completely unprepared and they just you know checked all the boxes and walked out that was it bye-bye see you later and they came back with lots of problems <laughs> because obviously they weren't prepared for it um but it again it, as everybody's saying it it's all about us you have to put the work forward in order to get anything right <laughs> whatever you want you have to actually go after it continually uh you know i look at Corey. he's one of the leaders in the veteran community he's working two three jobs now you got Corey. like <laughs> yeah about three full-time jobs three full-time <laughs> plus being a dad plus a few other jobs yeah plus a couple other yeah so like if you're prepared for it and you're willing to do it and you're you're ready you will and i think a lot of us we don't we're not really ready when we leave we we're ready we don't want to do this shit anymore like we don't want to do this anymore but we're not really ready to like step into that realm. And it's a very, it's a very, we, hmm? we believe we are though. We believe right? we are absolutely. And this is where, you know, it gets really challenging because we come from a place of sanctuary, right? We find sanctuary in the teams, in the military, in like, we find ourselves there. We, we, we grow up, we're like, yeah, I'm going to be a soldier. And you become a soldier and you're like, this is me. This is who I am. This is everything that I want to be. And as you said, Seb, the best thing you can do is be 
other things as well, right? You can be a martial artist. You can be a great cook. You can be a whatever. You have something else in your life that you can actually enjoy. And so I'm going to postulate this last little statement here, and then we can fin- we can carry on talking. I, I only have about two hours. <laughs> We're already an hour and a half in. This has been a, just a amazing conversation. So uh, this is my postulation. If we exude the idea that it is more important to find yourself in your service, in whatever it is you're serving in that moment, finding yourself there to be truly in that service. That's a, a greater position to be in than putting service before yourself, right? So that if, and, I, and I'm going to explain it here in a second, is that if I put everything into being a soldier, if I put my whole heart and soul and love it every day, as you said, Seb, you know, you, you loved the teams and being with the people and you find yourself in that service. You can, you are, you are who you're meant to be. That's a great thing. But if you put yourself behind that and you just rely on the service, you're going to come out in a much more negative environment than you would if you were to find yourself in it. And then that way, once you're no longer there, you can find yourself in a different type of service or in a different type of thing. Like, uh, like Matt found himself in, uh, in the kitchen, right? I found myself on the back of a horse. <laughs> you know, I found you, people are finding themselves everywhere and they're finding those missions and finding who they truly are in what they're doing. And I think that's an important postulation. What do you guys think? Actually, I'd like to add something to yeah. that. Or go ahead. Well, I was just going to add that the motto, similar to what you're saying, should be the work is the reward. And you yeah. find that benefit in the work that you do, whether it be on the jiu-jitsu mat, whether it be one of the many businesses that you run, that passion that you find, you're getting that reward from the work that you're doing, serving the community. Whatever benefits come from afterwards is the outcome of that work. But the work is really what you should enjoy and that reward that you get from it and being able to do it. For example, seeing Seb, training the next generation of warrior on the, on the mats for the next ERT team going through, or, you know, there's a lot of good takeaways, what Sean was saying earlier and uh, becoming that intellectual ninja, that generation of intellectual gunfighters. That's, that's how you get to that next level, that passage and transfer of knowledge information and Sean being kind of that mentor with a few years ahead of us passing on that info, that work being the reward, I think is a really fitting motto for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's 100% on that. And, you know, I think uh, one other little piece to add to this is, you know, I I still don't have it figured out. Um, You know, I thought I I had a lot of things figured out and, and then things just figured themselves out a little bit differently. And that's why I've had a few different careers. And, and Seb, uh, Seb can add his uh, two cents on this. But, man, I was retired. I retired for three days, and then Seb came along. <laughs> and, and you know what? I couldn't be happier for it. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing that Seb did come along because it, he, he inspired me to take up another kind of new mission. And, and if, it, if not for this, then... You know, I, I'm not sure what I would be doing. I would be doing what I usually do, but this is so much more important, so much more fulfilling. And so I guess I'm, I'm mentioning this to have an, the overarching theme being 
you know, you, you should try to find your passion. You should try to feel your pull. But it's not, it's not ones and zeros. It's not a digital solution. It, it is something that has a bit of ebb and flow to it. And, and right about the time that you think you've got your passion piece figured out, guess what? It takes you in a different direction and, and one that doesn't negate what you already picked up along the way. You build off of that. And so over the course of decades, it's a, it's a if as long as you don't stick to that binary or digital aspect of, oh, it was a fail or it was a win. It, it's never really that. It's just a building on a foundation, a strong military foundation that allows us all to project forward into the future, still kind of feeling the pull and still chasing that passion piece, but just in different avenues from decade to decade. Which comes down to self-growth, right? Which yep. we all go through it down the road, right? Because mm -hmm. your passion change based on your self-growth. Right, based on your thoughts and your feeling change based on your thoughts and so on, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think one of my earliest failings uh, when I left the military was I thought I had to figure it out pretty quickly and I thought I was going to latch on to that and I was going to drive that right off the cliff of success because I thought that's what I was going to do next. But, man, uh, I, you know, my my first career, that computer system engineering piece, that you know, I was only teaching for three and a half years. And then I was, I got drawn back out to international private uh, consulting. And uh, anyone who's lived the lifestyle of the military, I can assure you that every single one of them is capable and competent of being flexible uh, in the future for uh, new career paths and new passion plays. I think what we aren't taught or what I didn't really take away was it's okay to fail a bunch of times in civilian street and it's okay not to find the first solution uh, as the only solution. You just got to be as flexible on in your, once you leave the military as you are on your day to day in the military. Uh, we, we've all got it within us to be extremely successful on civilian street, just not, being too entrenched in what we believe the outcome should be, I think is really key. Yeah, to, 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 this, uh, to this round table, this is the first round table I've ever done. In fact, this is the first time I've ever been live on anything. Uh, I'm, this, this is kind of pretty interesting to me, uh, but it's, I love it because it's like tying on a new white belt in a new martial art. Uh, this is this is extremely challenging for me, uh, just setting up the software and setting up all the wires and getting my microphone to work properly. Like, it's kind of fun. It's it's a new challenge. It's it's uh, it's something that you can sink your teeth into and and not just do it, but like do it the best that you can. Uh, and so, um, you know, I I look at this thing that we're doing right now. And, and I'm doing my best, but, you know, 10 iterations from now or 100 evolutions from now, I'll be doing it better because, you know, that's what I ask of myself each time. And, and I think that goes back or segues back into the discussion that we've just had. And that's regardless of whether you're in the military or out of the military, we've all been taught how to be disciplined and focused and work through the adversity and do the best that you can. And, and I don't think that should ever change in any aspect of our lives, this roundtable included.
Yeah, couldn't agree more. Anybody got any? Uh, oh, go ahead, John. So when are we getting together again? Because uh, Sean said multiple times, right? So I'm, I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, you know, well, the, in the interweb will vote me off, so uh, this might be my last time. <laughs> well, we'll see. The I, I, I think I, I'd love to have you on my podcast directly, and then you and I can just sit down and have a chat. I think it'd be oh, awesome. Um, I was just going to say, does anybody have any uh, final points? Any? Would you want to? You know what? I'll go through. I'll go down the line, and then everybody can add their last little thoughts i think i personally think this has been amazing this has just been a great conversation i'm super thankful for you guys have been on here uh and we're gonna do another one in a month it's every second tuesday and we're just gonna i'm gonna figure out how to do the uh, group a little bit better but this is my first iteration of it so we'll see what happens um so uh let's start with matt you got any final points on the topic you know what, I think about, uh, all that we've talked about and stuff like that, I think the big thing is that you have to develop yourself from square one. I mean, even coming into the forces or even leaving the forces, it's it's focusing on the depth of yourself, right? You could be the best gunfighter, martial artist, cook, whatever, right? Um, but it's your own personal growth. And what you are developing is you bring that with you. And it's it's at the point where it's, from what I'm hearing in the discussion, a lot of people are, um, how, do, how do I get this across to someone else of what I've done, what I've experienced, who I am? And that's that's simple as like teaching another person how who you are, right? Um, and expressing and sharing what you are. And I know we're, as a, as a forces, as a community, we are so modest about our abilities and our capabilities and what we've done and been through. We don't share it because we don't want to sound like we're bragging, but if it's education, that's a different thing than bragging and sharing. Yeah. So, and I can't wait for next time. To read. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, John. Uh, uh, I, well, it's, it's a pleasure. It's fun. I mean, love it by all means. I stuck with, uh, I'm stuck with what Seb said, being in the present and, um, yeah. and I, it's one of, in my mind, it's one of the most hard things to do. Um, I mean, with um, with PTS being stuck in the past, fearful of the future, wanting to ignore what's going on now. Um, but but I agree, it's uh, and, it, and it will link with Matt and Sean and, and freak all of us. But but it's it's uh, um, it's a beautiful piece. It sounds easy to do when we say it. It's also one of the hardest freaking shit to do, right? Yep. And, and and realizing that, I'll go back to what Chance was saying because I, I was stuck with that one too. Um, you you want to plan for that ranch aspect, right? Realize that you did three steps today is fantastic, yep. right? You might be 50 miles away from it, but three steps brought you closer, which is a win, right? And maybe one of those steps, you fell down, but it's still a freaking win. Because next mm -hmm. time you fall down, you'll get up faster, right? And so on. I think that everything we spoke about is not only military purposes or veteran purposes. I think it's everyone. It's on every field, right? Because you will face challenges constantly. It's the same thing. That's it. <laughs> yeah, 100%, man. That's fantastic. Corey? Yeah, I'll just uh, highlight a few summary things that I think some key takeaways, really some great discussion points here. Uh, you know, the presence of strength being a hard target, I really keyed in on that. 
Deb, I really appreciate that. It's really awakened a few sparks in my mind here, being mentally resilient. That really ties in with the mission that we've been focusing on recently, where we've shifted towards helping people with mental health, but also developing their mental toughness. I think it's really important for all of us to showcase what uh, attributes and skills we bring to the uh, cause for that. I think there's a lot of mental health warriors, those intellectual ninjas. And, you know, having that purpose that defines you also keyed in, uh, I keyed in on that as well, on you versus your work. So the key point that Seb brought up there and that intellectual side that we develop, I really like the idea of being an intelligent, articulate warrior of the future. You know, it's uh, past self that you're looking to self-improve upon. It's always our ourself that we're developing, but others as well that we can help. And that intensity that really does come with a passion. We got to know when an advent of flow is required. It's not always 100% all the time because that's how you break the machine. But uh, having that ability to ebb and flow peaks and valleys in those troughs that you focus on. And then that conversation we had about getting out, we're always going to be soldiers, you know, whether it be police officers. In this case, we're all military. You never stop being a soldier. Once a soldier, always a soldier. And Sean, some excellent skills that soldiers do bring to the civilian forefront. I think a good topic for the future that we can talk about is how do those skills get transitioned for those veterans listening about to transition or those that are aimless right now, maybe looking for some uh, guidance and, and to each their own. That distance doesn't define the journey. Everyone has their own time length and approach to things. And comparing yourself to others isn't necessarily an accurate measurement or metric. What you should be comparing yourself is to where you were yesterday. Are you improving? Have you had a setback? That's fine, but continue forward and keep planning and mitigating those actions that are going to put you back. Work on what it is. And that's where we get into the work being the reward, that daily grind. That's, that's what we're entitled to each day for being alive. I think that should be motivational. That hard work is what you're entitled to. And that's what we should be happy with. And then for my own personal aspect, I'd add in that uh, the importance of going from failure to failure without a lack of enthusiasm. I fail daily and it might look like success uh, outwardly, like from what people are, are viewing. But the fact is there's a lot of failure going on and the key is to continue working and moving forward from failure to failure without that lack of enthusiasm and keep building and improving. I think those are some big key takeaways that I got from this conversation and definitely looking forward to the next one. I think it's a great idea. So thanks for putting this together, Chance. And Sean, I'm glad you got off the uh, old rotary phone and you got yourself hooked in the 21st century. Right. It's great to see you online here in person. Thank you. Grant, you got any uh, final points? I was really happy that you put this together. Um, when we did these, how long ago was that we did these before? Two years ago now? Uh, it was like right at the beginning there of COVID, was, so like 20, early There was a really lot of, there's a lot of good collaboration projects, and we managed to set some pretty good things up to help each other out through those things. So I was really happy yeah. to um, to see that somebody took this on and uh, set it up again. Some new faces here as well, so that's, uh, that's really cool too. Um, one of the big things I took away from this conversation, if I have to put it in kind of a conceptual uh, presentation, is... And uh, whenever, Seb, you're talking about that again, you know, you want to have your um, your accomplishment bias or, or whatever there when you, you get in the military and you want to be recognized. You go to a different place and you want to be recognized. Well, remember remember the parts of you 
that enabled you to make those accomplishments in the beginning and take those with the humility in your new occupation because you're going to a new battlefield now so you don't have none of the answers and failure is a very real thing um so the the biggest thing you can do to contribute to your to your new tribe if you will is you want to take all those positive attributes, but then you want to ask all the questions because you want to bring yourself up to speed to be a strong contributing member of the team. And if you're continually running your head into the wall very hard and very effectively, it helps nobody. Um, but if you if if you're humble enough to to ask people for guidance and advice, I mean, it's very it's very much more quickly be integrated into a team. And like you know, and I've had that too, where that hasn't always been the case. But I found out doing it now that way, it's like it's very much. Uh, you get fast-tracked in there a lot better if you do that because not only are you effective, but you're asking the more experienced people for advice, and in turn, you become more effective. And then you find your own answers and you find your own perspectives to bring to the team, and they will respect your perspective more if you've already reciprocated and taken their advice first. So that's kind of my takeaway from a lot of this. If if I had to give this advice to someone who was kind of, or even myself whenever I was 20 years younger and a lot dumber than I am now. Yeah, that Absolutely. Sean, you got any final points? Yeah, just a real quick uh, thank you to everyone for uh, inviting me on, letting me be here. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this, there's some great recaps, so you know I'm not going to uh, dive into any of those points. My biggest takeaway is this, that um, I learned a lot, uh, not just about each one of you, but kind of more or less on the overarching theme of I'm, I'm still trying to learn about the veteran community. Uh, I've been out of that game. I kept it at arm's distance for quite some time for my own valid reasons. But now that I'm trying to help out in any way that I can, I find myself spending more and more time listening to people, reading opinions, and trying to get a real good sense of what's going on on the streets. And And this has probably been the most helpful uh, to me uh, to date. And I've still got a lot to learn, uh, still trying to figure um, the, the battlefield, as it were. But uh, I just want to thank each one of you individually for uh, all, all of the things that you had to say, because it's been really beneficial to me. Last thing I will say, just on a little side piece, John, uh, you were talking about uh, being present and, and finding a way to... Um, sometimes it, it's a little difficult to, to be present all the time. Yeah, me too. Uh, but uh, one of the ways that I do it is with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, when I'm on the mats, uh, you don't have much time to think about your mistakes. And uh, yeah. you don't have much time to think about the future. You just get to be who you are on the mats in whatever state of mind you're in. It all takes care of itself once you put your foot on the mat. And I would go further to that point and say what I was mainly trying to um, thrust through on this conversation is we're all already capable of being awesome. The military already taught us how to do that. We just have to apply it in our day to day. And when I get up in the morning, I do that with my first cup of coffee. I intentionally make my coffee. I pay attention to how it smells. I cup that coffee throughout the entire cup as the thermal changes. I'm very aware of what's going on in my coffee cup first thing in the morning. Uh, and that's how I try to spend the rest of my day. I don't always do it well, but if I'm not doing it well, 100% the mats will do it for me. So if you're, if you're trying to figure it out, 
look into Brazilian jiu-jitsu on a more frequent basis. 100%. That is... I'll, yeah. I'll go fight with Grant in his class at home. <laughs> yeah. By all means, man. Like The one thing that uh, I've always heard is combat sports don't lie. Or you can't lie in combat sports. There's, there's just... It doesn't matter. Right? You have the skills you have or you don't. And that's it. So one of the, And one of the points that uh, I like to bring up is I said it earlier you know when we were overseas or when you're doing the job or when you're doing something that is being present like I was never more present than when I was swinging a metal detector that was like that was it right the whole world was right now right here and that was all there is to it and the only thing I've had that is anywhere close to that feeling is being tied in knots by a brown belt like that like it, you you're constantly thinking oh my god oh my god oh my god but it's not about the world it's there's a leg oh no he's got my gi oh geez now i'm getting choked okay let's tap and start over and like but every time it's just you're there you're on the mats and there's nothing else nothing else matters it's just such an amazing feeling um yeah I, I can't thank actually, you all enough for being uh, on here oh yeah go ahead sorry I just wanted to no, say that never. it's yeah you're 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 gonna yeah you're gonna struggle against that brown belt for sure but um, you're gonna struggle within yourself so you know when you put your foot on the mat it's you manage to clear your head a little bit I think of it as my moving meditation uh, mm -hmm. I don't think a whole lot when I'm on the mats I just interact uh, but uh, man if you're if you're not in a good headspace like if if you're if you're having a tough day and you you weren't really aware that you were having a tough day the mats will let you know that your head wasn't on right that uh, you know you what whatever you whatever lie you were telling yourself is going to become pretty apparent once you are feeling the pressure of the jujitsu um, yeah, oh, yeah it's pretty insightful I think a hundred percent is it really it forces you to just like i said like you said like uh seb said like anybody that rolls knows that's all that's it there is the mats until you're not on the mats everything else is superfluous at that point um but again i, I can't thank you guys enough this has been an absolutely outstanding conversation i'm going to do this once a month and uh yeah it i just i'm super stoked um, I just realized this for some reason. I don't know why. Seb's has not been recording. <laughs> I just, I've been so intent on the conversation. I don't know why, but I'm going to see if I can figure that out later. Uh, so <laughs> let's see what happens. But again, uh, I'm going to learn from this. I think we've all learned from this. And uh, yeah, I just, I can't thank you guys enough. It has been outstanding listening to y'all. It, it's amazing.